Hello and welcome to the At Any Rate podcast of JP Morgan. My name is Luis Oganes. I'm a head of global macro research. I'm joining this podcast by my colleagues, Johnny Golden, who heads the EM Local Markets and Sovereign Debt Strategy, and Nora Santivani, who's the EM specialist within the Global Economics Research Team, to discuss the outlook for emerging markets for 2023. Certainly this year that we're closing 2022 has been an extremely volatile year, full of shocks and unexpected developments. Although uh, we have to say, you know, the macro landscape was probably better than we had expected uh, given the circumstances, even though from the market's point of view, the returns, despite the rally that we have seen over the past month, are, are rather negative, you know, between 15, 20% negative returns across fixed income uh, uh, asset classes. So to discuss this and maybe starting with uh, the economic side, uh, uh, Nora, you know, certainly a lot, uh, a lot happened this year and uh, in a year in which, you know, EM growth actually outperformed what we had expected to be the projections, uh, dire projections for the year. Uh, where do you see things, you know, closing this year and what are the, uh, what are the projections that you have for EM growth for 2023? Yeah, Luis. So as you said, this year EM has been remarkably resilient uh, in terms of growth. Uh, we're looking for growth to average uh, 3.3%. Next year is going to be more challenging, we think, uh, for EM with uh, tighter global financial conditions as we have the Fed hiking to 5%. Uh, persisting EM macro vulnerabilities, which will come to a bit later, and a probable U.S. recession later next year. Overall, we look for EM growth to slow to 2.9% next year. So that would take it further below its pre-pandemic trend, which was about four and a half. China, we're actually relatively upbeat on. For the year as a whole, we're looking for a rebound to 4% next year. But we do have a couple of quarters there of below trend growth as the COVID restrictions are loosened and there's a kind of stop-start pattern to activity. But probably towards the latter part of next year, we should see a more sustained recovery in China as well. Now, the impulse from China to the re rest of EM will probably be fairly modest. So outside of China, we think EM growth will stay uh, relatively lackluster, below 2%, actually. EM Asia slowing to about 2.4. Risks there, we think, are tilted to the downside, given the weakening in external demand and the, that, that mild US recession that we have in the baseline. And we also have a slowing domestic recovery after the reopening bounces that we saw this year. EMEA EM should see quite tepid growth of about 1.5% outside of Russia. I think the growth environment, especially in the early part of next year, will stay challenging, especially for Central Eastern European economies, given their close integration with the euro area. Then on LATAM, we had a very strong year this year, um, but the, the, the terms of trade tailwinds are set to reverse. And, and next year we have a slowing to 0 0.8 and we have a couple of economies in outright recession in 2023, including Brazil, Colombia and Chile. So generally a pretty lackluster, but still positive growth uh, story for EM next year. Uh, in terms of the potential for things to break. Uh, this is not a base case, but I think the, the, the downside risk for EM that I would mention uh, further out is that if DM central banks are forced into another round of rate hikes next year, and in the global team, we put a close to 30% probability on this scenario, that could eventually trigger a more meaningful slowing, not just in the US, but also globally into 2024, we could have a global recession. So that would take EM with it, but that's kind of a risk scenario. Um, the baseline is one of slowing, but still positive EM growth. 
So I'll ask you a little bit more about uh, the monetary policy response, uh, Nora, but uh, you recently published a, a report about EM vulnerabilities. You included a detail of that in our EM uh, Year Ahead Outlook report as well. Can you summarize for us, what do you see the main areas of EM vulnerabilities for 2023? Yeah, so a, a key factor behind EM's growth resilience this year has been a large private uh, sector savings uh, cushion. But that savings cushion is now shrinking. And in several economies, it's alarmingly low. Uh, at the same time, we have large primary fiscal deficits that are going to uh, remain in place in EM uh, next year. And despite some improvement, current account deficits will uh, widen. So two thirds of EM countries will be running uh, current account balances that are worse than their historical averages. We're also going to see worsening in FX reserve adequacy ratios. So you know, quite a few kind of fundamental metrics are, are likely to deteriorate. Inflation will fall, but the elevated fiscal deficits, along with the slower growth picture that I outlined, will also lead to a renewed increase in EM government debt to GDP ratios next year. So that's going to remain an ongoing source of vulnerability. Uh, defaults, restructurings, you know, those will be focused on the smaller frontier EMs. Some of them already have support mechanisms in place, but generally the rising cost of debt, ongoing fiscal deficits, it will mean that sovereign debt levels and repayment capacity will be in focus. And generally what that will mean is a need for more policy tightening rather than less and more headwinds to EM growth than, than what's captured in our forecast. Another source of uh, potential risk would be that you know, newly elected governments and, and those countries that are facing elections in the next few years are under pressure to meet social demands uh, from the incomplete post-pandemic recovery. And so that's also slowing the pace of fiscal consolidation. So all in all, I think EMs will be forced to prioritize financial stability next year uh, over growth. We also have a couple of elections that will be closely watched, you know, Turkey, Argentina. And let's not forget the geopolitical stresses that remain unresolved, including Russia's war, tensions in Taiwan, China's new economic framework. So plenty of kind of risks for EM, along with these um, persisting fundamental vulnerabilities. Nora, as we're closing the year, I guess the one piece of good news is that the inflation fever seems to have finally broken in emerging markets, and uh, uh, and its uh, inflation has started to decline uh, in in most countries. Do you think that this is uh, going to open uh, room for EM central banks to start cutting rates and mass during 2023? Yeah, so we have a couple of countries cutting rates, but generally. Uh... We don't see many, many of those cases, and I think the bias will be for policy stances to remain quite tight uh, going into next year. Uh, on inflation, we expect EM, ex-China and Turkey inflation to come down to about 4.3% by the end of next year from about 8% and at the end of this year. So uh, halving of, of, of headline inflation there, mainly as food, energy, and supply chain shocks fade out. At the same time, core inflation is likely to remain quite sticky, and that's going to remain a challenge for a number of central banks. If I have to think of the, the groups within EM, we've got a handful of countries like Central Eastern Europe, Colombia, Chile. They're still going to be running positive output gaps and inflation that's still above central bank targets. But then you have a group of other countries, larger EMs like Brazil, India, Mexico, Russia, that should be able to bring inflation closer to targets. And of course, China 
inflation is undershooting as we have economic slack widening. Generally with inflation falling, EM real rates will be turning more positive. So we should see about 80% of the major EMs with positive real rates uh, next year, up from just 40% at present. And I think this along with slower growth is going to tempt some central banks to ease. Um, you know, maybe even cut more after the Fed pauses, but we think that's not really advisable for most of them. So all in all, we have a hand handful of countries cutting, especially in LATAM, where real rates are quite high. Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Peru, maybe Czech, maybe India. But I would say that even in these countries, the elevated macro risks and or political risks, along with this lower domestic savings cushion that I outlined, I think the bias will be for central banks to maintain uh, tighter policy stances. Just to give an example, in Brazil, while rate hikes have been pretty aggressive and inflation is coming off, we see growing concerns around the sharp rise in the fiscal deficit, you know, debt sustainability concerns, and that could ultimately uh, reduce the scope for rate cuts that we've penciled in. One last question for you, Nora, before we switch to discussing markets. Um, what would you say are the main risks to this baseline outlook of slowing but still positive and growth next year? Yeah, Luis, well, I mentioned some of them. I, I would think one is that central banks in EM ease too early or cut too deep. Uh, the second one is uh, that I alluded to that the Fed and other DM central banks are forced to tighten policy in a second round because inflation becomes entrenched above target and that then eventually triggers that global recession. And then the third one is really this risk around EM policies just be becoming dominated by the need to provide increase to support, you know, as the elections near and, and you know, kind of satisfying those social demands and, and that ultimately uh, reducing the, the very much needed fiscal consolidation. Thanks so much, Nora. Uh, Johnny, let's just discuss in markets here. So, you know, overall, what are the key drivers for emerging markets that you're focusing on into 2023? And uh, what are the markers that are going to be watching uh, for next year? Yeah, so as, as Nora's highlighted, I don't think EM itself has got a tremendous pull factor for, for next year. And that means for us that the global and particularly U.S. economic cycles are going to be the primary drivers for EM assets in 2023, as really they were in, in 2022. Um, this is shifting, though, from the focus on inflation and peak Fed funds, which was this year's concern to one where I think U.S. recession is going to be dominating a lot of um, price action in markets. That's obviously now in J.P. Morgan's forecast. And that's because the reason why it's important for us is when you look back, and, and we've had a look back through really the last uh, 60 years of uh, U.S. cycles, what you see is pretty consistent patterns for risky assets where the worst moves are in U.S. recessions. That means large widening in credit spreads, lower equity prices, and they're typically bigger than any other point in the cycle. And obviously, we don't have EM data back all that way. But in the cycles that we have had EM data for, it is the same pattern. So we would expect higher risk premium for EM into a U.S. recession, i.e. spreads will likely see their widest part of the cycle in that period. That means wider than they saw this year. Um, and it's similar for EMFX. We looked at, for example, the dollar smile um, the idea that you have a, a sort of two high growth and low growth periods for 
the US where the dollar tends to do well and not so well in the middle part. Actually, for EMFX, it's more like a, a smirk. So basically, EM currencies um, do well uh, do better when U.S. growth is picking up. So the higher U.S. growth is actually, the better it is for EMFX. Into a, a recession, it's pretty uh, consistent that EM currencies sell off against the dollar. Um, rates on a cyclical basis tends to split up at this point. And we've made this uh, point quite a bit. So low yields likely will attract developed markets. That means rates go down into a slower growth, into a recession. Um, and... That may be, you know, low yielding Asia, some other parts uh, where you could see that kind of uh, situation. But we need to be a bit careful because other EM tend to behave like credit markets into U.S. recessions, i.e., yields go up rather than down. So uh, we'll become a bit more differentiated here in in local markets. So we do have a, our U.S. economists have a, for, um, a projection of a U.S. recession towards the end of next year, and historically, bad things happen in EM uh, when uh, there is a U.S. recession. The fact that, uh, as I mentioned, you know, EM fixed income has had negative returns between 15 and 20 percent this year, 2022. Do you think that provides a bit more of a valuation cushion that things won't go as bad for EM assets uh, despite the U.S. recession in 2023? Yeah, so that's one of the key bits of pushback that, that you get against this more negative view that a U.S. recession still means a sell-off. Um, as you say, EM sovereigns down 20% year-to-date is getting, not quite, but getting in line with the last couple of crises. But I think it's important to stress not all sell-offs are the same. And um, the reason we think that you know, or people think that those drawdowns make the asset class attractive is historically they've been associated with much higher risk premium, i.e. big spread widening. But that's not what's happened this year. Year to date, two-thirds of the losses in the MB are because of U.S. Treasuries. Ten-year Treasuries lost 17% this year. The triple C bucket, so really distressed EM sovereigns, they did widen a lot. But the rest of the MB is actually around unchanged in spread year to date. So there's plenty of cyclical widening that we think is left to come. Um, For EM local rates as well, EM local bond yields are about 150 basis points higher year to date. But equivalent duration treasuries are nearly 250 basis points higher in the year yesterday. I, we've actually moved about 100 basis points lower versus treasuries in local bond yields uh, this year. So when we look at the drawdowns, I think it's important to recognize that really a major part of it is just the move higher in U.S. rates. Uh, and that for, looks like a one-off repricing from extremely low levels. Um, if you look at Valuation metrics in local markets, for example, real yields are about minus 100 basis points for emerging market local bonds, uh, and they fell this year. Now, if the view, as Noah highlighted, is is right on inflation and inflation is falling, then actually that will get a lot better next year. But it really is contingent on on that happening. Um, So that I think we need to recognize. I think it's also important to point out that the bar is going to be high. We're looking at a year where dollar cash is going to be giving 5% yields, where you're going to get double digit returns on US treasuries. So you're probably going to make money in things like local bonds, but I'm not sure you're going to make more money than you would in treasuries. 
Johnny, to wrap up here, um, can you differentiate where are we at the moment with uh, the near-term outlook for, for markets and where recommendations are and whether there could be some kind of pivot, actually, in, in our own recommendations uh, once we get closer to a recession? A recession is already priced by markets. Yeah, so we think there is a difference probably where we are in the very near term and, and where we're going to get to next year. The sequence that we think is quite typical is you get Fed hiking cycle. This is going to be the largest hiking cycle for 40 years. Then you have an interim period where you wait and typically you get a bit of relief in markets. Um, and then you get the US slowdown recession and then you know a bit more of a risk off period. And that period of waiting in the middle usually has given some relief to EM assets. It feels like we're in that already. Um, and we have adjusted our own recommendations accordingly. So we're much more neutral overall, maybe a bit more uh, negative on currencies, although even there we've reduced in, in LATAM and Asia, for example. Um, but holding something which is a much more neutral set of views at the moment. I think for rates markets, we should be looking for points to add, uh, and, and we are doing so, uh, and we've already been upgrading some of the views, uh, particularly in Latin America, um, on the rate side. But then I think really the next cyclical turning point is going to be a downshift in, in uh, you know, if we start seeing the forecast of a downshift in, in US data, uh, then I think that's probably the signal for, uh, you know, rate uh, risk in emerging markets to probably start uh, selling off again uh, in line with the typical cyclical behaviors. So to wrap up uh, on the macro side, uh, we are expecting uh, further downshift in EM growth, although still positive, you know, and, uh, you know, as much as there was some synchronized tightening in the last uh, year and a half across EM, probably the, the the next phase of the easing is not going to be synchronized with some countries able to cut rates in 2023, uh, many of them in Latin America, uh, but uh, not being a, a generalized phenomenon across EM just yet, even though inflation has already peaked. This means that for markets, uh, you know, the one thing to watch, obviously, uh, is, uh, you know, U.S. recession, once that gets priced in, probably that would open room for uh, uh, more uh, interesting trades, certainly receivers on rates, as Johnny mentioned, and uh, 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 and maybe even at that time as well, uh, a bit of a turn for, for the dollar strength, which has been a dominating force uh, across markets over the past year. Thank you, Johnny and Nora, for joining me in this podcast. Uh, we invite uh, all of you who are JP Morgan clients to take a look at our Emerging Markets uh, Year Ahead Outlook uh, report for 2023 that is available in JP Morgan Markets. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on November 23rd, 2022.